Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. We did one of these uh, two months ago, and we're not going to do next month because of being Christmas month, but on the third Sunday of uh, January and February, that's not unless something happens as far as time and whatever. We're going to do a couple more of these. We just wanted to bring some married couples up, and I think it's good for other married couples and for those of you that are single, for everybody in the body of Christ to maybe see or hear how, what, has, what takes place and what they've gone through, share their testimony so that we can give you hope. Hallelujah. Amen. I, can, I appreciate all your excitement out there. Praise God. The excitement is just, the place is just boiling over with, I tell you what, many of you. But so we, we bless you. We thank you guys so much for being willing to do this. I'm just going to pray, and then we'll start asking some questions and just start having some fellowship together here, okay? Father, we do give you thanks once again just for the greatness of your grace and uh, just a miracle. Father, it is a miracle when you, in Christ, when you bring a man and woman together to become one. Uh, Paul even said it's a mystery that it... It's a picture of Christ in the church. So, Father, we know that the family, to say the least, the marriage is one of Satan's number one targets. He does his best to destroy, to steal, and to kill the life that's meant to be there. But we thank you, Father, that as we continue to yield ourselves to you and to your spirit, as we learn to just let the flesh burn away and let the love of God come, We thank you, Father, that we can be strong as a couple, strong in marriage, and that we can be a people who can be a help to many. And I just pray, Father, that today as we talk about a few things here, have some serious talks, some fun talks, whatsoever, we just yield ourselves to you and thank you in Jesus' name for helping us. And I pray that everybody out here will have ears to hear whatsoever the Lord would say today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, well, I tried to prep them and I was going to... Really try to freak them all out here. I'm trying to be really nice. But uh, I guess my first question, I'm just going to ask Sid. So, Sid, is it true that, like me, you were once a man trapped in a woman's body? <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> in other words, your mother did give birth. Yes. <laughs> I just wanted to see how many of you were really awake. <laughs> Even Sid got scared for a moment there. <laughs> He said, I don't know what this guy is saying. No, I heard somebody else say that the other day. Cracked me up, so I knew I had to ask Sid that serious question. What do you got to say about that, Sid? No comment. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just joking. Once you get to know me, you know that. For me, life is uh, enjoyable, and we like to have fun. (laughs) Okay, so I want to... And wear my clothes. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I want to jump in at the deep end. I want to know how you came together. What brought you together? How did you, you guys meet, meet each other? Caroline. Okay. Because well, there's, always two, there's always two stories to this. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know how long we've got. Um, yeah. We've been together, well, basically 33 years. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I need that. Um, so basically we met when we were kids. We, uh, we used to hang around our estate 
And Sid and his family moved on to the estate that we used to hang around. And we were talking about it last night, and he was saying, I bet you can't remember the, last, the first time I saw you. And I was thinking, oh, God, I think I do. And I said, yeah, you had a really nice light blue tracksuit top, a little moustache, you had loads of hair. I mean, Sydney had the most beautifulest afro. And I think that's what I was attracted to, but God is funny. <laughs> Because as we got older in our relationship, the hair moved from here to here and to here, and it disappeared. So I said, okay, Lord, it's not about the hair. So basically, we were kids. Um, I went to school with um, his sisters, Doreen and Diane. Me and Diane was in the same year. So basically, he moved around our estate, and we let him into our gang. And um, it was really quite bizarre, because how we were brought up, my, my friends, all of us were single parent. All of us were quite rowdy. I know I don't seem it, but we were really rough. And How Sid, old were you guys? How I was old were 13, I think. When I, 14 when I first met you. Yeah, 14. And um, that's quite funny because my friend fancied him. And in them days, you don't mess about. If your friend fancies someone, you don't get involved. So I thought, okay, she can have him. But I knew that he was going to be mine. I knew that. So, of course... You know, so um, he moved around and we, we couldn't understand that he had a mum and dad. We was like, uh, we're supposed to grow up in Brixton, not because not Brixton, but a lot of us as single parent. Yeah. And we couldn't understand, why did you have to go in? We don't go home. We play out, we do what we want. We used to knock at his door in the mall at night, go around the back and knock up. And my friend, I couldn't sing. <laughs> so she used to sing and I used to mime. <laughs> <laughs> And he wasn't allowed out. He couldn't go out in the rain because of his hair. And, you know, we was like, wow, you've got a really nice parents. And it was something I cling to. I really, I really liked that, that you had a mum and dad. And it was a different kind of family. And I thought, I'm going to be part of that one day. So, yeah. So I just That's took what was mine. Really. That, is, that is beautiful. Yeah. Because it, it, I, I don't think, well, again, sadly, that's the case, isn't it? It's like I've shared here. When I was in high school, way back before dirt, you know, a couple of years ago, long ago, you know, the person, anybody, if we knew anybody who was, there was like one person in the whole school whose mother and father were divorced. Mm. And it was like a shock. You know, all of us that would run around together, we'd say, your, your, your mom and dad are divorced. I mean, we'd never heard of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was just that much. But in 50 years, say the least now, of course, the exception, like you're sharing, the exception yeah. It's the exception to yeah. find a family that has a mom and dad. Yeah. So you hadn't had that in no, your life never. for a long, long, no, never. No, yeah. My yeah. dad left when, there's five of us in our family, and my dad left when I was, I think, three. Mm. So my mum brought us all up, and we yeah. had a crazy upbringing. Yeah. I mean, crazy, but without sounding bad, really good. Yeah. In them days, I looked, it was really good. Yeah. But, I'm sure she, your mom mm, did as best she could. Oh, yeah. She yeah, was, you know yeah. I mean. But I mean, and she's, she's great now, but she, that's another story. But I think us having children, so basically we got together. I do talk a lot, sorry. And um, Are there any pictures of Sid with hair? Loads. Really? Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, for, for the Christmas gathering, yeah. we'd, we'd love to. He was so cute. He was still cute, but you were really cute. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we got together and, um, well, we're all kind of adults, really. So we got together, and I was 15, and the first time we had sex, I got pregnant. So we had our daughter, Tanya, she's here, 
Well, I don't know where she is now. There she is. There's Tan. So she's 32. So you can do your own mathematics. And, she looks um, like she's 14 now. Say that again? She looks like she's yeah, 14. Yeah, and that's her husband, John. And they've got three children. So uh, the sad thing on that point is when I had children, mm-hmm. we were strict. Yeah. Because my parent was not strict. Sure. And um, poor Tan, you know, when she met John... And I think she was 18. It was her first, her first boyfriend. And um, she met John. And bless him, he's got a lot of patience. Because he, if John would be out with Tanya and sit her ring up, get home now. <laughs> it was like 10 o'clock. And they was engaged. And was like, no, 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 home now. <laughs> so, you know, think we have, we've got a son. I'm going on too much, so the next question. We do have two children. We've got a son as well who's 28. But he's not here with us today. I thought was the biggest challenge when you first got married in your first year of marriage. Well, how old were you when you actually got married then? I was 25. No, I was 25 coming on to 26. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, the whole marriage thing is a, is, a, is a different story, really, because what happened was uh, in my former life, I was heavily into crime and drugs. So Caroline had met the Lord and had an encounter with the Lord Jesus before me, a couple of years before me. That's when you should go to Victory Church over in Finchley. And uh, yes, yeah. And uh, I'd know, I never wanted to serve the Lord at all, even though he visited me and called me and I rejected him. Uh, I had an experience where in the realm of the demonic, they visited me as well and said, well, don't worry about heaven and hell. And they lied to me and said to me that basically, because I've been through prison, I've been through loads of beatings and so forth and violence, that what hell is like, it's not going to, you know, you'd be tough enough to handle it. But thank God that uh, the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit drew me away from that. But Caroline was, I mean, obviously there's many people was praying for us and uh, supporting us, but the seed really was Caroline got baptised in 1989 and she made a decision that we ain't going to sleep together until she gets married. And so that's completely alien to me. As you know, from 15, eight years along, we were still engaging in certain activities. So she's come home and told me this is it. And I recognise there's a different authority in Caroline because I was a dominant male and I said what happened in the household. So when she refused what I call my commands back then. I, li- I like that as a command. I know I, I had to do that with Julie often. I had to do that a lot with Julie. Yeah. I, I, used to say, I used to say, I command you upstairs. So we, so we relate and pass the rod. <laughs> But what happened is that uh, she made the decision that she's going to get married no matter what. And so what she done, she literally stole my birth certificate, went down to Brixton Registry Office and booked the wedding. Or the ceremony. At the time, I was, uh, at the time I, was, I was on heroin and crack cocaine and all forms of drugs. I used to love drugs. And... Uh, she came home, well, I came home, and she said to me that, right, we're getting married in two weeks' time. Turn up or else. All right, Caroline. And uh, that, 
That soon sobered you up when you're on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened was that because uh, uh, I used to be involved in crime, I'd run out of money. I've really got to the end of my drug taking. So the law brings you really, really low. So within uh, my environment, I still had a name within the environment. No one knew what pain I was really going through. So all my friends thought I was still this stellar guy who had credibility within the field. So I don't know if anyone there believes in prophecy. Yeah. Yeah, do you believe in prophecy? Okay, well, what happened, I was looking for some drug money because Caroline used to have a draw. And uh, I found her purse with some notes. But they weren't paper notes. There's a prophecy that had my name on it. Now, when you're sick, and I know Pastor Roddy, he would, he would relate, he's spoken about it. When you're sick on drugs, no matter what, you do anything to get your next fix. Yeah? So, I was looking for, because Caroline gave us some money for rings, didn't you, for the wedding? So I took that and spent that on drugs. I tricked her, conned her about, yeah, so. But anyway, I went to this drawer, and I drew out this paper, and it had my name on it. And it was a prophetic word, and um, I've got no interest in Christ whatsoever, or the church. No interest. But when I picked up this note, and it had a prophetic word about me on there, it just energized me and lifted me up and gave me sight to the future. And it was tormenting me at the time because I, did, I wasn't interested. So for any of us who's got old prophetic words, I just want to encourage you to read them and believe them. Yeah? Jesus is the same today, staying forevermore. And these words are true for their life. So what they've done, they, elev- they elevated me to another level, even though I was fighting it. So my spirit man was aligning itself to the prophetic word. And it's talking about what I'm going to do in my community. Talked specifically about Carolina, her role as a mother, how to handle the children. Our children was only young at the time. And so I quickly threw that back in the drawer because I didn't know it. But I had nightmares. Yeah. It tormented me. The word of the living Lord tormented me about my future and about coming to Christ. And eventually, I couldn't take any more, and uh, I got arrested uh, by the Holy Spirit. And to cut a long story short, I gave my heart to the Lord. And six days afterwards, we got married. Mm. It is amazing. I mean, the thing that I hear there, again, like you said, I've got a similar experience. But just how... Even when you don't know what it is, that's like when the guy, when I was going back for, you know, 15 to life, this guy, you know, like I said, in my bell bonds was in cage when I was in that cell, tells me about greater is he that's in you, the teacher that's in the world. And I said, I don't know what that is. What's, the, what's that, man? I, but something that's beyond our comprehension, it's, it does, it strikes your spirit. And really what you don't, you don't know what it is until later, but actually it's hope. Right. Something rises up like I, 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 I because... When you really are lost, I mean lost, and you know you're lost, especially in a drug community, whatever. You don't. You often go to bed, don't just God. I wish I could. I wish I knew what normal was, or something. But then you kind of cast that thought away, and you think I'm gonna. This is me for the rest of my life. It's got to be because look, at, I'll die young. Remember that we used to have the old saying in the states: "Live fast, die young, make a good-looking corpse." <laughs> That's really a good faith statement. Live fast, die young, make a good-looking corpse. In my case, that wouldn't have been the case. Anyhow, 
But but no, but that is tremendous. I mean, you literally went out, if I heard you right, you went out and, as it were, purchased, is that what you said, the (laughs) wedding two weeks before? Yeah. Even before he knew that you'd done done that? I often do things before I tell him. (laughs) Yeah. I think what happened was, when I became a Christian, um, after being with Sid and Lois, the life that he was living, we both lived that life. We both was into drugs. We both were into a lot of... um, wrong things but I always thought I was perfect like most women would but my friend my best friend she became a Christian she kept inviting me to church and I went one day and they were talking about Jesus being the vine and we had the branches and we always I got conned into being saved because they was like anyone who, who's here for the first time and has never heard that word stand up and I just stood up and they was like come to the front and I thought uh oh it's yeah. all over now but you know the when I got saved, it was a bizarre, it was, it was the best thing. And people, it's not a cliche. I used to worship Sid, so I would do anything for him. So I'd live in that abused relationship. I'd live like that. And we were very, anyone who's from South London, you keep things to yourself. You don't share. So no matter, when you go out that front door, you're smiling, you're looking good, your kids are looking good, and everyone thinks you've got a fantastic life because you don't share. And when you shut that door, the turmoil that you're going through, but because you're caught up in this thing, this worship of a man, you love this man and you worship him, you do anything for him. I tell you, when I met Jesus (laughs) and I went home and I looked at him and I thought, oh no, 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 no. The worship and the love that you have for God is nothing to compare to the worship, I thought I thought I was in love, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but until I got saved, I really realised, oh my God, there's someone that loves me just for me. It was, and not having a father, it was it was fantastic, yeah. and I thought I was flying. And then of course I thought I don't need you. So straight away, I'm I'm very cut like that. I don't need you. I don't need you. But I put up with you. The reason I put up with you is because it was God's plan. But I didn't want to put up with Sid because I kept on seeing really good looking guys at church. And I'm just a real person. So I used to go to church and think, he's nice. He's nice. I'm still young. I can have kids because that's how God makes you feel. God makes you feel you can do anything. I'm not saying it was, I wasn't married, so I could feel like that. And I felt like God was going to bring the right person to me who would love me and serve him. So I began to pray. And I said, oh, Lord, put him in prison. I mean. <laughs> strong prayers. Yeah, strong prayers. I didn't know how to get out of the relationship. And I didn't think. I thought Sid would never come to Christ. And I wanted someone who loved God the way that I love God to be with me. I didn't want to be in a relationship with someone who didn't want to be with God. Yeah. We could have got married. And he could have still been doing what he was doing, because I'm married now, so that's all right in God's eyes, and it wasn't right. I wanted a godly man. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and one day we went, to, we went out for Valentine's, that was February the 14th, we'd gone out, probably usually had an argument. I was sleeping in my daughter's room at that time, we used to lock the door at night. But it was, our life was not great. Our life was not great, but God had a plan. So this went on for 18 months, and I knew, I said, God, you, I know you love me, why is he still here? Why is this man here? You know, and because I knew there has to be someone for me. Everyone deserves somebody to love them. 
And then I went out and I thought, you know what, Lord, if he's not going to go, then I know I have to marry him. And I just knew that God was saying, you had to. There's, this is my plan. So, yes, I, I took the money. I took his birth certificate. 60, we had £16.50 to our name. And I went to Brixton Registry Office, and I want to work after. And then, like you said, you come and took my money, and you spent it on drugs. We had no rings. We got married in, it was three weeks. We got married. Your mum didn't want to come because Jamaicans wanted a massive big wedding. And I was really strong. Then I was like, no, it's only about God. As long as God's there, I don't care about anybody else coming. And your mum was really stubborn. So we had to ring his mum's workplace, say, can she please come and have the day off? Because she said she wasn't coming. And I tell you, God, we had the best wedding. We had a reception, we had a registry office. And that night we went prayer meeting. And I'm telling you, it was, we got rid of all of our guests. They all come back to the house. It was like, you've not got to go now. Because you'd been saved. And all of a sudden, this black cloud was gone. And it was all about the Lord. And I'm telling you, when you sacrifice, and I sacrificed because I thought, oh, my God, I've got to marry you. And I didn't know what the outcome was. But God knew the outcome. So God knew that you were going to be just right for me. So... But let me, I, let me just, that's, that is cool, but I just, I can't help it, but you know, it is so true. There's, I could start naming people in church here like Fermi and others who always check the single women out and they always wonder, you know, is this her? Antonia, you start doing it with the young men again. I know that you always have them. That does happen in church, but that is comical that you're, you could say, you're coming to church, God, put him in prison. I'm looking. I can see there's some other dudes around here that I'm, hey, man, he's hot. <laughs> I could just picture that. I mean, what? that is an incredible testimony. Many, Julie? Gosh, I could go in so many directions. Don't we you dare. We got in a row one time, and I got so irritated. I said to God, could you just take him as far away as possible? I was so irritated because he was wrong. I was right. There's no way we're going to make up. 100%. I get a phone call 10 minutes later. He says, honey, I've just been invited to Australia. <laughs> I'm like... It's the middle of winter. Oh, when are you going? Oh, I'm going in two weeks for two weeks. It's like he said, it was January. He's like, don't forget to take care of the church. <laughs> right. But I wanted to ask you something more significant, I think, and important. What happened to the children? How did, did you have a strategy when you got married to then how to adjust being a family, having children? I let Sid answer first just for a second. Well, for me, uh, it was a true transformation with me, and it happened so rapid and quickly. So uh, Tanya, our oldest daughter, my son, our son, I can't remember how name was, but two or three. And so there's a lot of healing between me and Caroline and the children. And so one of the things that we recognized was that we had to forgive each other, especially me. I had to go through a lot of uh, dismantling. And one of them was, what happened to me? As a f- I became a dad at 17. And I wasn't a father to 26. So, but the funny thing is, when I used to smoke heroin, in uh, we had this little room. Tanya, bless her, she's here now. She used to come in and prophesy over me while I'm doing uh, drugs, and uh, God really used her. And so, it was clear 
that there was a certain requirement for me to bring up my children in a certain way, in a certain manner. And uh, when I got saved, I, I, I was a fundamentalist. So whatever the word said, I believed it. It was black and white. And all I'd done was I spent at least three, four years just studying the word. And whatever it said, I believed. I mean, my, my sisters are here. There was even a family meeting where they was concerned about me because all I'd done was read the Bible. <laughs> but when, you, when, you, when you're a drug addict, you, you know, I'm not trying to say the Bible is a drug, but for me, I consume whatever I desire. There's no high like the most high, we used to say. All right, I like that one. I like that. I'm going to use that one. So uh, one of the first things the Lord done was to take me down to the library to study names. So I studied my daughter's name, Tanya, Glenn. And with studying their names, he started to define their destiny. And so, uh, like, my daughter, I'd say to her now, you know, what are you going to be? A bastard. So from that age, I said, you're a bastard for the Lord. Yeah, and uh, it's so true that she actually presented the Bible to Princess Di. Do you remember that, Tan? You know, she presented the Bible to Princess Di. This is, yeah. So my son, I've also said to him, you're a warrior. Now, my son, he's a prodigal out there, and he's, he's, he's out doing what, similar things what I used to do. So he's just finished a 10-year sentence. But yet still, the word goes forth, son, what are you? You're a warrior. So I prepared him and, and with, between me and Caroline. And we used to have, uh, there's two books I asked to read to my son. One of them's uh, Samuel and Hannah and also Jonah. This is, is about from six years onwards to describe who he is. And so, and I saw that called Tanya Little Red Riding Hood because she's got big eyes and she's going to see. So, what me and Caroline done from a very young age, they went, bless them, they went to every prayer meeting, every service, yeah. They didn't miss a service for about three years. We used to have prayer meetings in our house. We used to have house groups. Every event they came to. I don't advise that now. But that's how I was. I was a fundamentalist, yeah. I was pretty mental and I had no fun, yeah. So... You know, I was very rigid in bringing up the children, very strict. And as I got older, I mellowed out and started to demonstrate grace instead of law in my household. But thank God they're here today. Thank God they're here today. So, you know, it was very, very important. But the biggest challenge for me was, uh, I, I don't know how to define it, but taking away the priesthood from Caroline. So she was the priest of the house interceding, praying for the whole family. And so when I came through, that's my responsibility. So I've also said I'm the king, priest, and prophet of the house. And that was hard for Caroline to give up. Yeah? It's a little bit hard there. <laughs> but as a responsibility, as a husband, as a father, as a shepherd of the house, and as a patriarch of, of the family, that's very difficult. So if you read between the lines, you can see the contentions that we was having, the war in... And also, Caroline's a very strong woman, so to, to let me go with it at such a young age in the Lord was difficult. But yeah, it had to happen. And then the alignment came in, and that's where the blessing came in. So we've also held to the covenant. Yeah, the covenant, we've also referred to the covenant 
of our marriage and of our life and over our children. I'm not sure if that answers. No, but I think it helps us, doesn't it? Because it's like, what on earth do you do in this impossible situation with your children? And I know I had to let go of Jamie and had to let Rod discipline him, and it just killed me. Seriously, because for eight years I'd been single-parent mum. And suddenly this man had to say to my son, no, you won't do that. And, of course, Jamie lipped him back, and Rod whacked him over the head, and Jamie looked at me like... I hate you. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's the way it is. I, I didn't really. Well, actually, I did. You did flip him off. You did. He flipped, and he to, needed I have, it. I'd have to explain what Jamie actually did. But anyhow, yeah. No, but he needed it, you see. So, but it's very difficult, that adjusting. So it sounds like you did really good. I, I personally am one for getting the kids on the floor and the anointing as much as possible. Well, yeah. As I said, I was a fundamentalist, so. Yeah. Every evangelist meeting, yeah. anyone on the streets, I used to stop, pray, and preach the gospel to. Yeah. And so the kids would be there and they'd see that. Yeah. And uh, we had a set of Jehovah Witnesses where used to come around and they used to say, Dad, please. Yeah. <laughs> please. Because it, it weren't five minutes. It weren't half hour. And the door would be open and they'd be there. And so they came to every meeting, all night prayers. They came to every meeting and they saw the way of the Lord. So, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. They saw everything. And so, it was down to them. And Tanya, she got involved in a very young age with uh, teaching in the children's church and everything else. So, yeah, they saw loads of stuff. I laid hands on them till the cows come home, slap oil on them, everything. Every, everything possible. Pronounce healing. Everything over their life. So, they saw it. And... Uh, yeah, until they grew up and they, you know, Tanya left home and she, her and John, she deserted me with John and uh, she got married at a very young age, at 19. So that's one of the hardest things to do is to the father, give away his daughter at 19, to entrust with another man, but he's a great man. Yeah. He's a great man. Yeah. I mean, it, it is... Parenting, I mean, it is an incredible thing, especially when none of us know all the answers. And we make all kinds of mistakes. I had to go to both my son and my daughter and stop and look him straight in the face and say, would you forgive me for how ignorant I was at times and things that I said and the way I did it and how I misrepresented God and what have you. It's a tough thing, but thank God, yeah, to say the least. We're very grateful that God's grace is upon our kids as well. But it's an incredible thing. Caroline, did you want to say something about the kids? Sid raised them perfectly, right? I did a great job, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think with us, we're very, going back to not having a a family, I would say, we didn't have a a family. So even though, even when we weren't Christians, we did a lot together as a family. And Sid's mum used to live just down the road and the sisters, and we've always kept really tight. So we've always done things together as a family, even though, like I said, once that door was shut, people didn't really know what went on. But we try to maintain, you know, the love of the family. And to me, once I, once I had children, it was my job in life to make sure they're safe, they're happy. And I believe they were happy and I believe they were safe. Um, anything could have happened at any time where we were living. But I think there was always joy in our home. Even though there was torment in my heart, I think there was always joy in our home. And um, our children have never... My daughter's quite open, quite honest. She's never come and said we had an awful life. She, she's always said she had a great life. And our son, he had a great life. And, you know, 
we used to teach, we both taught children's church, we both taught the youth, so they had to come with us. Everywhere we went, they had to go. Um, but we taught them so well that my son said when he turned a Muslim, well, you taught me about free will. You brought me, taught me about free choice. And what could I say? But we always say, I, went, I saw him a couple of weeks ago, and I said to him, I was praying for you today, and I prayed that the Lord would punch you right in your heart. <laughs> and he was like, why do you say that? And I said, because you know. But one thing about us, our home, we always say our home is like a hub. And it's always been open. When we became Christians, we never shut the door on anybody. None of our friends, none of our family, none of our neighbours. In fact, we were the people that, we live fantastic on the state. I don't know if anyone's been brought up on the state, but it's the greatest. It is fabulous. And on our block, all our windows are open. Every week we just cook food. And we just hang out food out the windows. And we'd have music. And every weekend, how many kids did we have sleeping over? About nine about nine of the local kids, and we'd get popcorn. This is when we were believers as well. We'd get popcorn, we'd get food. All of our son and his friends would come. Tanya, everyone was sleeping in the front room. Very safe. Everyone loved us. And those people now, some of them are Muslim, married with children. Some of them are, and they still come and visit us. And they still call us mum, dad. And they still say, you know what, if it wasn't for you. And even our electrician who's doing our electric at our home, we taught him in the youth. And he said, Kaz... Well, auntie, says, Auntie Caroline, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have this job now. I wouldn't be where I am. And we, we think we're insignificant sometimes. But it's the little bit of love to those who are in the world. Not those who are in the church. It's those that are in the world. The ones that you see and you really want to help. So there's hope for everyone. Everyone's children. My son will be back with the Lord because he knows the Lord. Amen. So, Amen. you know, we just have to keep on loving our, our, our family and our friends, whatever path they go down. At this stage in your relationship, your dreams coming to pass, how do you see implementing that? Okay. Uh, it, my grandson's name's Kairos. Yeah, and it's, it, it means, to break it down, it just means God's time. Mm-hmm. So we feel it's God's time. He's timing for me and Caroline. So uh, we've just moved. And we bought a property next door to our old property. So we had a word earlier on this year where the Lord said to us to enlarge your tent. Yeah. And also to strengthen your pegs and to stretch out your curtains, your cords. So we really, uh, we've, it's come in. We, f- we felt and we believe that we've finished the assignment from 20 years ago. So we're on a new assignment. And so the Lord's speaking clearly to me and Caroline. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. It's, it's, there's something. It's not something, but in my heart, in our heart, there's an initiative we're gonna build called I61 Solutions. And so, what that's based on is based on Isaiah 61, the Spirit of Something Lord is upon us, and He's anointed us. That's all of us to preach the good news. And so, within that, we're looking to build oaks of righteousness. And I suppose one of the unique things about me is that uh, I've been working with men, specifically men, for 20 years. So I've worked in the prison system for over 10 years. But I don't do Sunday services. I I go into a prison, and I'll be there five days a week for about two years. So teaching them how to be a man and so forth. But also providing homes and houses for them. So that's how we see the next phase of our life. So the job description is Isaiah 61. The template is Isaiah 61. Uh, 
So everything's wrapped up in those scripture verses for the next move for me and Caroline. But it's not just for me and Caroline. You know, I spoke to some close friends within the church who I've got to know very well. And uh, they've got similar burdens, similar uh, dreams and aspirations. So we're, I'm trying to align everything, not just me, but we're trying to align everything together so we could do the work together. So we're like a great and exceeding army. There's a shaking what's taking place. So we're speaking to the dry bones and, you know, we're speaking to the four, four winds of the spirit to breathe afresh again, breathe afresh again upon us. And so that's our mandate. And also we're preparing for the finish. So uh, last, was it last year when Sharon Stone came Mm -hmm. and she prophesied of us and she said, she didn't know what this word meant. Uh, She said, ship coming to harbor. So we, we didn't have a clue. So we've been praying about it. And so we just see it as the closing of the age. And also me and Caroline's got to finish well. So it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So we're building the, 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 the final stages of our lives. Yeah, and also for the church age. Yeah, that's what I believe in there. So uh, we're, we're planning to finish and to finish well. We have a really good friend called... Um, really, really good. Amen. Great work. We have a really good friend called Deborah Paul, and she has a T-shirt company called Isaiah 61. And I'm going to connect you guys because you need to have some special T-shirts for the kids. Yeah, I'd like to just say something as well about this. What he's sharing is so powerful. Uh, Let me ask a question, if you don't mind. How many, uh, we're not everybody here today, but how many people in here, um, basically you grew up in a single, single parent family. Raise your hands really high if you don't mind. How many people grew up in a single-parent family? Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, yeah, it's what I'm just trying to share is just people long. There's a longing in every single heart to be part of a family. That's all I'm trying to say. Really, there really is. That's the depth of anybody who didn't. When you, like Caroline said, so amazing, like to really never knew what a family was, that kind of a thing. It's such... A heavy issue in the earth today. I mean, that's, you know, like you've heard me share being with Dr. Cole all those years, and it's still true in every single nation of the world. Actually, the problem is fatherlessness. There's no real fathers. And that's what I hear Sid's heart wanting to do with the men that he speaks to and what have you. And there's not, and there's not, there's a lot of, there's still a need for a lot of great mothers, too, to say the least. Somebody that knows how to put their arms around somebody, receive them, love them. You know, Huston does a good job with that with so many people. But I'm just saying this is why it's part, one of the reasons we're doing things like this is we want you to hear what other people have gone through, but we also want you to catch the spirit of what God's trying to say at this particular time. Every one of us know a family or two or three or a dozen that have never experienced what family is. You know what I mean? They have no comprehension of what having mom and dad around. I mean, I was, like I said, I'm maybe it's the last, I'm not the ancient of days, like I always say, I'm not that old. But still, you know, I was so, so blessed. I'm one of the, one of the, this last generation at least. You know, I grew up every single, you know, mom and dad and sisters and brother. We were, had a meal together every night. Everybody sat at the table. Do you know what I mean? That kind of a thing. Prayed and talked, whatever, afterwards. And that's just like something that isn't done anymore. And it's critical. And let me just even say to those of you who have family, and I'm not saying it because of what I said earlier about our grandkids, don't take mom and dad for granted. You know what I mean? Because I tell you, they can be gone in a moment. 
You hear me? I mean in a moment. And don't take grandma and grandpa for granted either. Seriously, they can be gone in a moment. And there's something special about just really seeking to have family. This is why any real church will have a real sense of family. There will be that innate something, that intrinsic sense of love between people. And that's, again, why we want to hear things like this. We want people to know that not only does God redeem. This is a picture. See, this, their marriage is a picture of pure redemption, isn't it? And there's many of us in here that are like that. But, you know, particularly this is unique, to say the least, what they're sharing. So I'm, I'm just really, you know, I think it's really great what you've been sharing, to say the least. Babe, did you want to ask something else first? Well, I just think it's amazing looking at you and looking at the grace of what God's done. But if you had to say in just a, two minutes each who you really are to each other, what would you say to each other right now? What, who he is to me or I am to him? Who you are to him. I'm your everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know what yes. else to say. <laughs> There's no doubt. There's I'll be no honest, doubt yeah. there, boy. I, honest to God, I've never met. I mean, there's loads, there's loads of things we could share, maybe another time, because our marriage has not been perfect. And I mean, far, far from... Um, Two major things happened in my since I've been married to Sid that I wanted to leave. And so I am not perfect, but it took a perfect praying man to keep me. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it was there's another whole story of things that I've done and the life, the things I wanted to do and walk away from my family and my children. Uh, when I was 30, I went for a bad crisis. And if it wasn't for Sid praying, and I'm not even trying to get too spiritual. When I used to wake up, I used to hear him pray and cry for me, and I would have cried myself. If it, when you're going through your, your trials, as a married couple, one of you has to be strong. Yeah. If that person just if he gave up on me, I didn't want to be with him again. I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, you just see something else, or you get to a certain age and think, I've lost out on so much. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. And I'm telling you, he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and... My friend took me, it was so bad, my friend took me abroad and said, you better get abroad and we better spend two weeks together. This is just really quickly, sorry. And I read a book, and the, I can't remember the book, the name of the book now. What is it? The Final Quest. And my friend said to me, when you go back home, if Sid weren't there, how would you feel? And I thought, oh, I love him. <laughs> oh my God, I love him. And I got back home, and he said to me, Kaz, he used to work, um, they used to call him... Marigold, because he was, a, he was a, a workman at that point, and he used to dig the grounds. But because he loved his hands, he used to wear marigolds. And he was on a high street in Finchley. Was it Finchley? Kilburn. Kilburn. And he was digging the grounds, and it went into an electric cable, oh, wow. and the whole road blew. And when the fire engine came, they said, it, they said his head should have blown off. But because he had his marigolds on, it saved him. So what I'm saying is, sometimes you get to a point where you think... Is this it for me? And it took, it took me really to go away and think, if he was dead when I got home, that's how serious it was. How would I feel? That's when I realized, oh my God, I really don't want to be about you. And you know what? The wonderful forgiveness, he never questioned me when I got home. We never sat down and said, right, tell me why you've been like this for, was it a year nearly? Why have you treated me like this? Why did you want to leave? He just never spoke about it. And he forgave me. Wow. And I'm telling you, when your husband might do something or your wife, if you're not praying, it's going to collapse. And I really thank God for you. I really thank God that you prayed and you toiled for me because I am worth it. But I still thank you. <laughs> Amen. That's awesome.
So I'm your everything. Yeah. I've got another side to everything, but that's for the, <laughs> that's for Monday. Uh, <laughs> okay, we have so much fun at Monday. Uh, for me, I've also upheld the covenant till death do we part in sickness and in health. And all the other stuff. Yeah. When I made that vow, I knew exactly what I was doing. I married a strong woman. And so you've heard about Caroline not having a father, but she had brothers. And they're, and they're dangerous brothers. But it didn't scare me. <laughs> but for me, I, I, I love her. I do. I've, I've laid my life down for her and I continuously lay my life down for Caroline. And I've also got this image that Jesus is standing there and he's saying, well, son, well, not just Jesus saying son, but he's saying, Sid, what have you done with your wife? What have you done with your bride? And I could look him in the eye and say, I've done everything I can do within me to make sure that my bride... My wife is well and fulfilled. And so, and also the, the revelation that if I could take care of, of my bride, then, you know, I could be responsible for the bride of Christ. In a building, in a building capacity. You know, and so the hallmark really is how much do I love my wife? How much can I forgive her? And when you do the math 70 times, seven and beyond, it's amazing. So I literally lie my life down for my wife. And I have done. And there's more I've got to lay down. But I make sure that she cannot turn around and say to me, Sid, you should have done this, you should have done that. Yeah, and so that's the journey. And I think for us men, it's very, very difficult. But we've got to get the picture of our precious gift, which is my wife, Caroline. And I love her tremendously. And we just have so much fun together. I mean, it's, 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 we just have so much fun. And I just want to declare that marriage is fun. You know, I have my times where I like to be by myself. <laughs> and my, my wife, she releases me to do that. And then we come, we come together and it's just, it's a, it's a blitz. And this time she likes to be by herself and with her girly friends. But it's, you know, it's fine. But at the end of the day, without Christ being the center of our home and our lives and our marriage, it weren't going to work. It weren't going to work. So the foundations are built. And uh, we, just, we just love building. Yeah. We just love building. That's what it is. Yeah, just keep building, keep building. You know, uproot. Rebuild, plant, and so, and that, and that's it. And we hope to be, you know, uh, we sacrifice our lives for each other and for our family and our friends, and for the purpose of, of the kingdom. I don't know what else to say apart from that. I just got to say that I mean, what you know, I just I adore their humility uh, between each other. I mean, it's really, really beautiful to see 
you guys being able to nod your head to each other like that and defer to one another so marvelously. Seriously, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You just don't know who you're sitting next to in church. You, ha- you don't know what their stories are. You have no idea how powerful a testimony there is. It's, it's really, really awesome. We bless you guys in Jesus' name. You're something fierce. Amen. Really. Bless the Lord. Really, uh, I mean, really, you know, it's really, it's really been good. I always uh, remember another funny thing. They said years ago, they'd walk up, and they, some guy walked up, somebody said, have you ever thought about divorce? And he said, divorce? No, never. Murder? Yeah. <laughs> but, but never divorce. You know what I mean? <laughs> because, again, they're just the, the flat truth is, and I hope everybody surely knows that, that you will have moments, to say the least. And one of the biggest lies of the devil is when they come to you and he says, you're trapped. You know, and you, and you have to fight that off with a stick, man. You know, and that happens to anybody and everybody gets married. When we counsel people that are just getting ready for married, like the, some of those that are here today, and what have you, it's always funny when I try to tell them, I said, listen, I know that you're all ooey-gooey right this moment. Everything is always easy-weezy-weezy, sweeties, kissy-kissy. But I said, you know, the moment you get married, it's like a switch is flipped sometimes. All the stuff that happens when you live by yourself and suddenly you got somebody else's stuff here and somebody else's space, it does take Christ in us. It really does. But I, again, I applaud you guys. I, this has been incredible. I really, really appreciate you opening your hearts to us all. Let's just give the Lord thanks again, once again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 